0: This is written from a pastor. This is the way I'll get started this morning. He's a it was sent to me. He's from New Hampshire. He's a Jew. He's obviously met his Messiah. But anyway, I'm gonna read what he said. History is filled with pastors who see themselves above it all and unwilling to fight tyranny. Those who either colluded with the tyrants for their own protection, passively colluded by saying and doing nothing. As a Jew, I can tell you the massive harm done to the proclamation of the gospel to my people due to the Catholic and Lutheran church collusion with the Nazis in Germany. Then there are a few, like Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who refuse to look the other way. Churchmen who are cowards always cloak themselves in above it all spiritual platitudes. Men who are pastors must expose evil and defend the body of Christ from it. When I am told you are harsh, I have to pause and ask myself why my supposed harshness brothers or bothers them more than the murder of 62 million children, more than the perversion being forced upon our children who have been allowed to live, and the absolute destruction to the family brought about by feminism and weak men and the government tyranny. My only conclusion is that either they are deceived or they are cowards, in most cases the latter. This is a war between liberty and tyranny. That's what we're in. I do not care about the sensibilities of the people who are attempting to steal the liberty of my children and grandchildren. My family, fellow Christian brethren, and fellow patriot countrymen come first. No apologies. This is war. It's not war with carnal weapons, although sometimes spiritual wars manifest in natural conflict. This is a war between sanity and insanity, between rational thinking and lunacy. Between the powers of darkness and light, choose a side. As for me, I've chosen and therefore names, false accusations, outright lies, character assassination, physical threats will not deter me by God's grace. My my Gentile friends, I am a Jew, and I know what happened to my people. I know the churches in Germany did next to nothing. I know that most churchmen are gutless in our day. By God's grace, some of us will not be. This is not bragging or boasting. It's not, I'm better than you, nor pride or arrogance, and no personal feelings of greatness. I'm simply expressing what I need to express. When a pastor refuses to protect his people by not telling them the truth and fighting against evil, he has become little more than a hireling. God has not called his shepherds to be hirelings. He's called us to be shepherds who warn and protect against wolves, even wolves who pretend to be shepherds. So I say yes and amen to our Jewish brother in New Hampshire. You know, many pastors are slowly awakening. You know, a large part of the awakening is awakening to where we are and to what's happened. That's part of the awakening. You've got to awaken about where you are before you can get out of where you are you know but uh, I sent a word out about Bonnie Jones who will be here with us in a few weeks and did you see the word that she sent out she, she sent a, a word out on Facebook and YouTube and various platforms but um, you know if, if we're going to be a, the people of God that stand in this hour we have to have an understanding bibl- that's biblically founded you have to know what the word says. When Jesus was tempted, he didn't say, this is my opinion. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, if we believe God's word and we're standing on words, we're, gonna, we're going to live in the midst of chaos, destruction, death. God's word will be preeminent. His word will be eternal, and it is eternal. I I want to show you things. We're going to get in to where I want to go. I believe the Lord would lead us today. But I I want to just remind us of some things over in the book of Ephesians. And uh, chapter 6, remember the Apostle Paul said, finally. Over in chapter 6, verse 10, finally. In other words, there's, um, there's something that you need to pay attention to when everything else seems to be falling apart. Finally, my brethren. Now when he says my brethren, who's he speaking to? Us, the brethren. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And the only way that you're going to stand in this hour is to be strong in the Lord. In Christ is the safest place to be. You can run to a certain geographical area of the nation. If God hasn't sent you there, and if you're outside of Christ, there's no protection there. It's in Christ Jesus we stand in the Lord and in the power of His might, not our own. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Then He tells us to put on the full armor of God because there are schemes, there are wiles, there's a, a strategy of hell. How many of you know it exists? And uh, we're wrestling against these strategies and these principalities and powers. But verse 13, therefore, because of the times and the finality of the times, actually, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you would be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. And so in the evil day, you withstand. It's like, you know, the weather channel when they're broadcasting from a hurricane you know, they're holding on, and the winds are blowing. They're withstanding the force. You, you withstand, but you also stand after the storm. You're standing because you withstood the winds. And how do you stand is in verse 14, you stand on the truth. Because he says, let your waist having girded your waist with truth. And then there's a whole lot more about that. I remember just to review when the disciples asked Jesus what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age number 1 he said what deception make sure take heed pay attention the lord's giving a warning take heed that no one deceive you and then he goes into um, a little bit more detail you know in other words don't let anyone lead you astray Because if we're going to stand in this hour, you have to have a biblical worldview so you'll understand what's happening in the hour and stand under the assault. And we know that 2 Timothy says, evil men and impostors will not get better and better. They will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Is that a biblical viewpoint, right? Now, there have been many times in history... Those who stood for truth were accused of spreading dangerous misinformation. And they were, many of them were removed. But the information, the truth, stood and remained. You know, it's a really good ad- here's some good advice for this hour. Do not think it strange, brethren, concerning all the fiery trial which is to try you, as so, though some strange thing has happened to you. But count it all joy. Rejoice to the extent that you are sharing, partaking of Christ's sufferings. Now that's foreign to much of the Western church. And that's because there has been a false gospel preached to much of the Western church. And since everything that can be shaken is being shaken, one of the things that's being shaken in this hour is the false gospel. It is not going to stand. Now remember, if they crucified the one who was the truth, guess what they're going to try to do to those who stand on the truth. If Satan is the father of lies, then he is the father of the liars. Can I just... I'm going to be real. In other words, this is a spiritual conflict. We're in a spiritual battle. And those who have embraced... We know there's a point where God gives them up. Well, they will believe the lie is the truth. But it ultimately will end up in there being a devotee or a worshiper of the father of lies. And the father of lies is not only the father of lies, he's the one that steals, kills, and destroys. And can I tell you, he's actively... Doing what he's been created to do. And then Jesus said Bew- beware of false religion. False religious leaders. He said there'll be many that will say I am the Christ. They'll say Jesus is the Christ. But they'll deceive many. Will you be ready for that? And then he said wars and rumors of wars. I've been praying God let what's happening in the Ukraine on the border be a rumor of a war. And not a war. And I thank God for the president of of the Ukraine who stood up to our president and told him to pipe down, shut up, because you're spreading misinformation. Now, he's probably not going to um, go quiet because they want to create a war. What does war do? It kills a lot of people. Anyway, don't believe everything you hear from the mainstream media. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Then they said there would be exciting things like famines, earthquakes, persecution, offenses, betrayals. There'll be those who want to kill you. They think they've done God a favor. And to their God, they have done a favor. You know, I was looking at a a city that I went to school in down south. Starts with an N, has an O in it, and anyway, I saw where they're going to try to clean up and they're going to attack the, the terrorism that's occurring in their streets, and my thought was, you know, when the lawless are in authority, lawlessness is going to abound in their streets, Proverbs, how do you know that? Proverbs 29.2 When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people will groan. Like every city in America, you don't need a new strategy. We need a heart transplant. The problem is sin. Sin is the result, lawlessness is a result of a lawless heart. And the only answer I know is Jesus Christ Turning back to the one Turning back to the God Almighty He's the the heart transplanter Now I needed to just touch base On the subject of famine I'm not going to go into great detail Some of you are saying thank you so much For not going into too much detail I don't have to Jesus already did The word of God addresses the subject of famine You don't hear many people talk about it. You know, I hear people say, get your eyes on Jesus. Well, I agree. Also, if your eyes are on him, he said, you go teach them all things I've commanded you. You tell them all the things I talked about. And you tell them, you remind them that I'm with you always. Even at the end of the age. I'm with you. And you don't hold back. Now, just a few things about famine. Then I'm going to go over into John chapter 14, the the real message. But just to remind us that uh, Matthew 24 says that famine is part of, it's a sign of the times in which we're living. You know, it's just going to take place prior to Jesus coming again. That's one of the reasons people will pray, even so come Lord Jesus. You, you wait. I'm going to hold something back until next week. I'm going to hold a lot back. Well, maybe. But this I have to hold back because I can't wait to tell you. But anyway, so it's a sign of the times. Revelation 18.8 is one of the events that God will use to judge the Babylonian system. Bring Babylon down. Deuteronomy 28.23 is evidence famine of a curse or judgment upon a wicked land that has rejected him you you can look at Deuteronomy you have a choice here are my blessings and here are my curses choose ye this day Amos 4 verse 6 it's used to direct the people towards repentance and back to God now they've occurred all through the Bible numerous examples that's why God raised up Joseph. Remember, He sent him, the Lord sent him into prison. Now he didn't, he wasn't he didn't know that. You wonder why in the world my brothers have betrayed me, sold me into slavery. The Lord sent him so as a lot of people would be saved, and through the process of God raising him up. They've heard, they've occurred all through modern history. There was a famine called the Great Potato Famine that happened when I was in Ukraine. It was the former Soviet Union. I remember the lines waiting, the bread lines waiting to get in the stores. The problem was when you got in the store, a lot of times there was no bread to be found. And I remember those days now, this was after the Ukraine famine where millions of people died. But it was not because they ran out of food. It was the policies of wicked men. Right. Wicked men and their policies. It's when government tries to play God. I, um, was it two weeks ago I heard, you know, there's a shortage of fertilizer. And then I saw last week in Winston a fertilizer plant just happened to catch on fire. And I mean just happened, I mean just happened. These are interesting days. God, I'm sure glad you said you'd be with me even to the end of the age. Now look over in Acts chapter 11. Let me show you something, a few more things about this glorious subject. A famine. It's, I could spend all day. It's, there are many examples in the scripture. But I want to show you this. Acts chapter 11 and in verse 27. Now this was following a great revival. Many were coming to the Lord. It was great excitement. Verse 27. And in these days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit you know, there are folks in America that would think if you speak about some subjects, there's no way you're speaking by the Spirit. This prophet prophesied by the Spirit of a coming famine. So by the Spirit that there was going to be a great, say great, great famine throughout all the world. Which also had happened before in the days of Claudius Caesar. And then what did they do? They began to well, actually, a lot of things happen in chapter 12. They started getting harassed, murdered, seized, thrown into prison, constant prayer. They, the army of prayer was being raised. They had already been raised up. Evidently, they were trained, ready, in position, and miracles began to happen. But they begin in verse 29 of chapter 11 to get prepared for what the prophet said was coming. That's just an interesting thought, isn't it? Lo and behold, you get prepared. What did Joseph do? He got prepared. Now look, Psalm 37. Look over there real quick. Now you haven't checked out already, have you? There's no amens. Okay, good. Because they don't check out. I'm just preaching the Word. I'm, I'm not called to preach my opinion or what someone else thinks is right. I'm called to preach the word of God That's it Especially in this hour When men don't want to hear the truth They want their ears tickled Tell me that which will tickle my ears And Paul told Timothy No you preach the word Be ready in season and out of season When they don't want to hear you Preach it anyway They don't come to hear you That's all right. You preach it You stand before me because I'm, he's the one I have to give an account to. So anyway, Psalm 37, verse 18. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be how long? Forever. They shall not be ashamed, just like we read about in Ephesians, in the evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall be Satisfied. Verse 20, But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadow, shall vanish into smoke. They shall vanish away. And then over in Psalm 33, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on all those who fear him. If you fear God, you, you will do what he says to do. You want to prepare for whatever... With the fear of God, not the fear of the devil. You understand? There is a place where you fear God, and so you move in faith because of your fear of an almighty God. Because you know who he is. You know what his word is said. And you don't tempt the Lord God. You fear him because he's holy. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. But do so hoping in his mercy... To deliver their soul from death And to keep them alive in famine That's what, Those who fear the Lord Let God be true And every man a liar Now Psalm 12 I'm going to show you something And then just share a few things From the New Testament This, this Psalm Starts out With one of my favorite prayers Psalm 12 Verse 1 begins with Help This is a great prayer. Help. Help. Help, Lord. For the godly man ceases. For the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. I've literally asked the Lord, Lord, where are the faithful? Where are those sounding the alarm other than this Jewish brother in New Hampshire? And I know there are others. Verse 12. They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and and a double heart they speak. Here's how David prays regarding the times. May the Lord cut them off. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. That word cut off means destroy. David, don't you know you're not supposed to pray that way? And the tongue that speaks proud and insolent things who have said with our tongue we will prevail and our lips are our own who is Lord over us in other words they think that there will not come a day of reckoning verse 5 for the oppression of the poor for the sign of the needy look what God says now I will arise says the Lord when God arises what happens to his enemies (laughs) he gets scattered Now I will arise And I will set him in the safety For which he yearns Now that's the word of the Lord If you look at verse 6 The words of the Lord are pure words They're like silver tried in a furnace of the earth Purified seven times Means to perfection The word of the Lord is pure The word of the Lord is right The word of the Lord will come to pass all of the promises and he shall preserve them from this generation and forever now look over if you would to um, that's enough about famine <sighs> I'm just Lord that's, that's my Lord that's enough about famine <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. okay Once not you get someone else no no you know I, I will say what you say but if you, if you could get some of the other guys to say some of these things too, it would be a good plan. A good plan. Thank God for that man in New Hampshire. But I know there's a man in Western Tennessee. I know some in Texas. I know some in Florida. I know some in South Carolina. I know some in Wilkes, well, a few in Wilkesboro. I'm just being honest, God. You know what I'm thinking anyway. Okay, help us, Lord. And the rest of this message we pray for the anointing, the unction of heaven. Lord, I'm so honored. You know, this morning I just tell you this, we we have about 17 churches that are connected in Wilkes County through what's called the day to pray. And uh, we've had meetings, corporate countywide meetings, wonderful men of God. And I love them. I love them. And so this morning, I told Shirley, "Let's pray." And I want to send them all a message, and uh, just that I'm praying for them. And pray the glory of the Lord flood the house of the Lord today throughout the county. And, and uh, one of my good friend, Victor from Cranberry Baptist, sent me, you know, this image. It looked like him, but he says, "Right on, brother. Right on, brother." And I believe we have some wonderful men. I'm thankful. Now, John 14. Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. Boy, that's a good word for the hour. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I think we heard a word about believing this morning. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And of course, Thomas, doubting Thomas, says, Well, we don't know where you're going. We don't even know how to get to where that and all this. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except but by me through me you know it's estimated that there are around 4,000 different religions in the earth actually I read 4,200 religions recognized by somebody you know I would think to be defined as a religion somebody has to follow you somebody has to recognize it but there are probably more than that You know, I remember the song by Bob Dylan, you know, you got to serve somebody. And everybody on the earth ultimately is going to serve someone or something. Jesus said you cannot have two masters. One you're going to hate, the other you'll love. You're going to serve one or the other. And if you're not for me, you're against me, so you must be serving someone or something against me. You're going to serve Somebody. You remember the story in Acts chapter, was it 17, where Paul goes through, was it Mars Hill, but wherever it was, he finds this altar with an inscription on it, to the unknown God. So they were worshiping who they did not know. And Paul began to explain, the one that you do not know, he is the Lord of heaven and the earth. He is Lord of all. And he's the one that set you in your borders In this land So that you would seek him And that you would find him And so he set up all of that To the unknown God Now as far as the religions of the world There's They tell us The major ones are what? Hinduism Buddhism Islam Judaism And Christianity Now concerning 4,000 religious groups I'm not talking about churches there are probably millions of churches today there's I don't know 350 in this county or so and there's some places in the world where there's like a church on every corner would to God there would be a church in every home and uh, we may see things like that begin to happen But, you know, there are some places in the world where they they are little Christian witness, and yet there are stories of missionaries, some of you, your parents, some of you have gone to places, you trailblazed where no one had gone before, and you left the testimony of Jesus, the witness that Jesus is the Son of God, and churches sprang up out of those places, and the word of the Lord doesn't return void, and, um, and you know that. But concerning all the religious groups, to be a religion, you, um, you have to have some teaching. You know, you've got to have something to say, unless you're just a humming religion. You sit around and cross your legs and hum, you know, I mean, they have that too, I don't know. But you know, they have something, they do something to someone. It may not be the one, but to someone. They have creeds. They have a belief system. They have some definition of who they are worshiping. But I've heard it said that if you compare Christianity with all the, you know, the religions of the world, that you need to look at from four different angles. The first one is, how do they look at God? Well, how do Christians look at God? How do you look at God? How do I look at God? We look at him as holy. I'm telling you, the holiness of God was in this place just holy holy I don't know what do you say that's probably why there will be this great around the holy holy I don't know we won't know what to say but holy but we will have said everything holy holy he's holy he's holy we know that he's above all he's sovereign Isaiah 45 said left no room for doubt I am the Lord God and there is no other And there's no God besides me. We don't have many gods. We have one God. We know he's loving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We know he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. We've been speaking about that. I read this week where Oswald Chambers said that Paul looked at his mission twofold. First of all to tell the world of the judgment to come and the loving kindness of God that was offered through his son, Christ Jesus. And he was faithful. And we see him as a creator, redemptive, righteous, personal. You know, there are many religions. Their God is not very personal. He doesn't often speak back. If he does, it's usually with some kind of a whip. You You know, our God speaks to us. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and another voice they'll not follow. He's a personable God. He's approachable. There's some that you dare not approach him. You don't know if you're going to be alive. Well, that's the way it would be for us if it were not for the blood of Jesus. But because of the blood, we can enter in and stand before him. It's a holy, awesome thought. He's a personal God. He hears and he answers prayer. And uh, he's, he's the one that will show himself strong. And then you have to look at the way they look at man. You've got to have a right view of God. Many people don't have a right view of God. Either they think he's only loving and not judge, or they think he's all judge and not loving. He is loving and judge. He's going to show himself as that. He really is. And then you have to look at man How does Christianity look at man well created we're created beings we're not gods we're not on a journey to become a god either he there's only one we're given a free choice we're not robots how many of you you're not a robot did God take you and you know put your arm behind your back and say now you follow me It may have felt like that for some in their testimony you know God what are you going to do kill me the loving kindness of God he, he was in pursuit but no you know the scripture that says that um, the commandments of God are not burdensome you know what that means it means they're not authoritative God is not some tyrannical being it's not a system of tyranny where you must bow before him or else now you have a choice you have a choice. Will you choose to make him your Lord? Now, the world, they want to be authoritative. Tyranny. You will do this and you do that or you won't eat. We're going to see all this play out. That is not the heart of God. Run from that like you would run from a fire in a barn. Our God is God of freedom and liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and freedom to choose. You kept Choose ye this day. Whom you will serve. But man is able to choose. God writes His Word, His laws on our heart. We become a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. We know that we've fallen. Man has fallen. We need a Savior. We desperately need a Savior. We can't save our children. I don't know all that we try. It's not working. We can't save America. Have you noticed that? We can't on our own. We can't even save ourselves. We need a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. And then, how does that religion look at uh, man's greatest problem? What is man's greatest problem? We already know what it is. It's not the lawlessness in the streets, the lawlessness is a result of the problem in the heart. It's the heart of men. And if you're going to have a worldview, to survive in this hour, you've got to know that in the heart of man, there's great wickedness. The heart of man is deceitful and wicked. And c- capable of anything you would ever have imagined. That's how wicked the, man, that the heart of man is. And man needs a heart transplant. And um, he needs to have an encounter with God. Now this week... Victor, my buddy from Cranberry. And I have buddies from all over. I just, it is amazing. It used to be me and Mark from Fountain of Life, we just started praying that God would build unity in the city among churches and we would pray for pastors. And now all these years later, we have at least 17 churches that are, you know, they they put up with one another. (laughs) No, we do more than put up. We love one another. And I love Victor. And Victor sent me a video of a Catholic priest that is one of the bold Catholic priests of the hour. He's not a chicken. He's not a coward. He's telling the truth to his congregation. And anyway, I listened. It was about 20 minutes. And if Victor sent it to me, I'm going to listen. If he took the time, because he doesn't send me the wild things. It's usually something that's legitimate and... And uh, there's legitimate and wild And some of the legitimate is very wild And, s- and some of the wild It's not that legitimate I Just let God be true And every man a liar So use the word it's the measuring rod We know that But anyway This made a lot of sense to me So this Catholic priest gets up In, his, in front of his congregation After he does You know holy roly I mean I don't mean to be disrespectful I'm just I'm just saying what he did Blessed art thou, Mom You know, I, I don't even remember Forgive me I didn't mean to I don't mean, but he did it And then he spoke the truth And he said to his congregation He says, you know, those who forget The lessons of history Are doomed to repeat And he did his research He had all this documented I know because I woke up that night thinking about what he said and I I looked it up to see if these things were true and they are true and he listed a whole number any number of unethical medical governmental experiments that have been released on the American people from the CDC from the government from the medical establishment. Military, CIA. And anyway, he gave the proof. He listed all, he didn't list all of them because when I looked it up, I saw, whoa, you just barely touched the surface. And that's what he told his church. He said, now don't go there and look at this. I'm telling you. You don't want to know what your government has done. But there were many things. He mentioned a few. One was the Tuskegee experiment, the Tuskegee syphilis experiment where they refused they allowed this disease and then they refused to treat them and he caused death but there were many, 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 many more And, and he shared where whenever someone or a media source would get close to the truth then they would begin to label them as spreading dangerous false information when I heard that I thought you know God the devil hasn't changed he's the same he uses the same tactics, same. He's just changed clothes. They're different people, but they do. They follow the same script. And then he began to explain, and I knew this, but he said, you know, back in those days, there were hundreds of different media outlets. It was very hard to get the narrative under control. So you had to attack those that would rise up and get close to the truth. So what did they do? They captured all the media outlets. Now there's about six and they all parrot one another. In different language, but it's all the same message. And if you dare stand for truth, you will come under the wrath. And he challenged his congregation. He went on, you know, he said, he just told them, hey, you know, you got to study these things out. Don't just take what any medical organization tells you for granted as the gospel truth And then he kind of wrapped it up in a really wonderful way I said god that is a pretty I should get that catholic priest here He could say blessed art thou all you want to I don't it's fine he was speaking the truth But then I thought about it after and I thought you know wait a minute god You ever do that You ever just talk to the lord like you know him really? You talk to God like you know him? I said, God, this is a lot like the Bereans. I thought, wait a minute, if the Bereans, what they heard in supposedly church, if they were encouraged to go home and see if these things were so, how much more are we to do that from the things we hear in the world? And yet, what happens? People take the messages coming from the world as the gospel. You know why they do that? Because that is their gospel, and the world is their God. Jesus said, You don't believe the things I tell you because you don't know me. If you knew me, you would hear my word. So, this is the world in which we live. So, we have to maneuver, we have to operate. But we got to be like the Bereans. Well, what else do we know about man? He's separated from God. Sin builds a wall, a brick wall, and separates men from holy God. And then we know it takes the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin. You and I will not be able to save our nation. We just preach the Word, and the Holy Spirit will convict the hearts because this is a work of the Holy Spirit. And then you have to look At the solution, man's the solution to man's problem. And the only solution I know, there's only one. His name is Jesus. He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the truth. I'm the truth. Well, what if you don't know all the things that you need to know? You know the one who is the truth. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Which is Him. It's all Him. Now there are more things that I'm just going to kind of sum this up. And then I'm going to pick this up next week. I'm going to preach a subject I've never preached next week. I've never preached this. I don't preach. I mean, there are things I repeat often. Because I learned that Jesus used repetition. And His disciples finally got it. And they never forgot. That's why He said You know, these things I tell you, remember so that when the time comes, you will have remembered and that you'll do the will of the Father. And I do that purposely because sometimes I hear things and then all of a sudden the light will come on. You hear something and then finally, it's like, whoa, finally. He came alive. So I'll continue this next week, but there are four things. He said... In, in John chapter 14 that when you find a time of trouble how do you respond what do you do in a time of trouble well first of all he said let not your heart be troubled let not your heart he didn't say you would avoid trouble he just said your heart did not have to be troubled in the time of trouble how many of you see that yeah. let not your heart be troubled how would that be I would, I, right off, I would think, well, fill your heart. Hide, your, hide his word in your heart. You know, meditate upon the scriptures. Worship. I would think there some of the ways that you would uh, not be troubled in a time of trouble. Secondly, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Now's the time to believe who you say you believe in. That Jesus is exactly who he said he was, And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Savior. He's the one that will forgive. He's the one that heals your body. we got to know Him as the healer. He is the great physician. And if the medical system fails and it's failing, God will never fail. And our faith is in Him. We have the greatest medical clinic going anyway. It's called faith in Jesus Christ and in His Word. And then he's the son of God and he's the son of man. He died and he rose. He can live forever. So this is the day to just what Ricky said, stake your, I believe. This is what I believe. And I will not back up. I may not know all the things you talked about that happened with the Tuskegee experiment and all these. I saw one of them, they released mosquitoes. They never told the people. The heart of man is deceitful and wicked. And only God can change the heart. And evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. That's why we're crying out, even so come. But we believe if there's ever been a time to believe in Jesus, this is the time. I believe in you. I'm believing you for my family. I'm believing you for my children. I'm believing God. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God God you said I've seen all these things But I've never seen the righteous forsaken Or his descendants begging for bread Lord I thank you my, Thy word have I hid in my heart And you stand on the word of God That's where you stand this hour It's not the word of man The word of God And then thirdly In my father's house are many mansions and if I'm going to go prepare a place for you What does that mean? It means we're gonna get an upgrade. We're gonna, we're gonna get a great upgrade when we leave here. Listen, heaven is not something to be dreaded. Now, I'm gonna next week get into a message on heaven. Because I heard some things this week. Part of the, it's just the way the Lord speaks and preps me for what he wants to say. So I'm, I'm gonna give it my best shot, trust the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you right now, it's a big upgrade. When we met, I lived in a trailer in West Virginia, God forsaken trailer. It was, it was really bad. Well, I'm going to get a mansion. Now, I know there are some people say, well, that's not what that means. Here's what I've noticed. I've noticed when you're a little guy, a kid, young, you just believe the Bible. You, people tell you. You can fly. Well, I jumped out one time of a barn. They told me I could fly. I jumped out of the loft. It didn't work. It didn't work. Thank God I didn't break my back. But I thought I could fly. I really did. I thought I could fly. I jumped out that loft. I'm glad my mom didn't see me. She would have beat me to death. Anyway... It means we're going to get an upgrade. But anyway, here's what I'm talking about. When you're young, you believe. Then when you get in your middle ages, you become smart. Well, Theologically, you know, that means, doctrinally there are seven principles of a great mansion. You know. And, and, and then when you get a little older, you know, you get over 60, whatever. fooey on all that stuff. I believe in a great mansion. I don't care. You define it as you want. I've got a mansion that's being built for me in heaven. I'm believing what those gospel singers sang. I don't care what you say. And if I'm wrong, so be it. It'll be a mansion compared to that trailer. It's going to be a mansion built for me in glory. And then he said, um, I go to prepare and I will come again. And that's where we've been these last weeks. I felt like he said, preach on the coming again when Jesus comes again. And we saw how the different ways that he's coming and how the Bible explains. And I want you to know he's coming. He came. He's coming. You know what's happening right now. He's coming into the hearts of people all over the face of the earth. That's what he's doing. He's coming. And Jesus said... If you're thirsty, let him come. Come unto me. And that's what's happening. There's a great calling being issued to come unto him. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In a day of trouble, let not your heart be troubled. Do you think it's possible? If Jesus gave you a command, in the midst of trouble, let not your heart be troubled. Do you think that he might have Something to back up what he just commanded. Because the commandments of God, they're not authoritative, they're not dictatorial. They come with promise and they come with power. They come with the ability, the grace, the ability to do what he's commanded you to do. Lord, we thank you for your mercies. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness, God. Thank you for your presence Thank you Lord All through this morning We've sensed the presence of the Lord in this place Lord we are humbled We acknowledge our need Our dependence God we so thank you We're not This is not about a religion This is about a relationship With the living God And you made a way You sent your son who became the way and is the way to the the Father, the truth, the life, life. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray right now, God, that whatever needs to be grabbed hold of in this that I've shared, let this bear fruit, the fruit that remains, God. Let a, a great harvest come out of the word You said that your word will not return void. It will accomplish your purpose. Every purpose for which you send it. And that man shall not live by bread alone. But by the word of God. We live. We move. We have our being. Through the word. We give you glory and honor Lord. I pray right now for miracles Lord. I pray when we pray at the altar. I ask God for unexplainable miracles. Undeniable Unmatched God I'm asking Lord we must have the glory of the Lord In the house of the Lord And I pray that God That people would be healed Delivered set free Bondages addictions Broken by the power of the gospel The power of God I thank you Lord No weapon formed Against your people will prosper And I pray Lord for Breakthroughs as Ricky spoke today that this would be the day and the beginning of great breakthroughs for those that are watching, Lord. I pray breakthroughs, breakthroughs in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, in the strong name of the Son of God, the only begotten. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I want to pray before we just gonna come to the altar, you guys. Get ready. We have a team that's going to pray for people around the altar. I believe they're going to be miracles. We're getting ready to pray for people. They're going to come into an awakening of what has happened. And they're going to all of a sudden say, oh, my God, what have I done? And the world will say there's no hope, and the church will say there is. And his name is Jesus And they're going to come through that door And Jesus Is going to touch them and heal them Going to restore them These are works so that The works of God would be revealed Now I want to pray for those who are watching online If you're in this place without a Savior You need a Savior and his name is Jesus And if right now If the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin then that is the moment, that is how you know you're being drawn to the Father. You can't come to Him when you want to. You come when the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin and you know you need Him. And then you respond by faith. You call on Him. You say, um, you just believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died, that He rose from the dead. You confess Him with your mouth. You confess your sin. You say, I have sinned. You repent. That's not a hard word. It means turn, change. You turn around. You say this is sin. You're agreeing with God that you're a sinner and you're saying I choose to turn away. And I'm turning towards you to make you the Lord of my life. He'll give you the grace and the power to do that. And you can know him right now. People all over the earth are getting saved. I'm just telling you. I'm seeing it in Uganda. I'm seeing, I'm hearing what's going on in uh, all of that part of Africa and Tanzania and the Congo and, and um, Kenya. Rwanda. They told me the story of, of what happened in Rwanda and the, the rivers filled with blood and the genocide. They told me the stories well, there's, there's another river that's filled with blood and it's coming from his vein. Jesus shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin. And uh, his blood is enough to cover sin. I don't care what you've done. You say, well, can God forgive me? I'm even responsible. Maybe you're watching. I'm responsible for some of the deception you spoke of. Can God forgive me? Yes. Yes. The blood of Jesus is enough. And I want to just lead you in a prayer. If you're in this room, and then we're going to pray. You guys come on up, my prayer, those that are going to be praying for people. But I want to lead you in a prayer. Just, you want to know Jesus, say, dear God, let's just all pray this out loud, just a reconfirmation. It, ha- it sounds good over the, over the internet, too, that you're praying along with the people. You say, dear God, I need you. And I believe in Jesus that he is the son of God that he lived that he died and he rose from the dead and I confess my need of a savior I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me cleanse me from all unrighteousness wash me with your blood I make my claim I Place my trust in Jesus. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And I thank you that whoever calls on your name will be saved. So by faith, I receive salvation. And I thank you, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the power of heaven. And use me for your glory baptize me in the Holy Spirit some of you need to pray there right now listen, this is the hour you get saved get baptized, get filled get launched we need an army now, we need an army there'll be places of training and where there will be sending out of forces, special forces but there are many places they can't get to those trainings so right now just just say Lord here am I fill me with the Spirit of God Baptize me in the Spirit. Overwhelm me, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Stir up every gift in me. Give me boldness, authority to proclaim your word and to be a disciple and to be a witness unto you. And I thank you, Lord.